1: Welcome Giants fans, you are listening to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine. Today's show is going to focus on what your 2019 New York Giants roster might look like. Head coach Pat Shermer has said a couple times in recent weeks that he thinks most of the players on that roster are already in place. On your current 2018 New York Giants. Today at Big Blue View, I did a breakdown of players that I thought might be keepers on the 2019 roster. And today I'm going to be joined by Patricia Trana to uh to go through, you know, my list and and see uh, and see if we agree, see what we both think of uh, of where that roster might be headed in 2019. Patty, how you doing today?
0: Hey, Ed, how's it going?
1: It's good. It's good. Thank you very much for for joining me today. Um uh, so, you know, I I thought it was interesting the last couple of weeks that, you know, the Giants went through such a massive rebuild of the roster heading into this year. It's been interesting to hear Shermer say, you know, that he thinks, you know, much of that roster is in place for next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, the Giants turned over, what, over 65% of the roster from 2017 to 2018. You go back and, 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 and you know, let's play devil's advocate. If Let's say they were to, to go and turn over this roster again. What you're going to have is basically a repeat of what you had in the start of this year, where you had a bunch of guys who were learning to play together who are learning a system all over again, and it just wasn't very good football. It, it, it was it was a lot of growing pain. So it makes sense now that Shermer and the coaching staff and Dave Gettleman have a good idea of, you know, what they have on the roster. It makes sense to say, okay, we have identified our core moving forward, and now all we need to do is just fill in, you know, here and there, wherever we're deficient.
1: Yeah, obviously there's a lot of work to be done, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that they need to tear the thing, you know, completely down again. I think a lot of what this year's been about is, as you said, identifying, you know, players that they can go forward with.
0: Absolutely. And and it was a it was a, a learning process, a growing process, whatever you want to call it. And like you said, Shermer, I think, has a better idea, and I think he even said this, he has a better idea of who makes up you know the locker room who he wants to make up the locker room that he's envisioned um, you know in terms of leadership in terms of skill in terms of you know whatever intangible you want to throw out there and is it a complete roster absolutely not will there be changes absolutely there'll be changes but you have to have a core in place and the Giants coming off of last season did not have a core in place. The core had been wrecked through the infighting, through the, through the guys that had quit, you know, the, the problem children, if you will. And Gettleman and Shermer tossed all that out. They've identified guys who, you know, want to be here, who want to be part of the solution moving forward. And now it's just time to build on top of that foundation.
1: All right, Patty, let's go through, you know, my sort of really, really early 2019 roster projection so that we don't spend an entire show discussing the quarterback situation, we're going to do this in reverse order. We'll go special teams first, and then we will uh, we'll actually save the quarterback discussion, you know, for the end of the show. So the way I did this, I have specialists on, you know, place kicker, punter, long snapper, and I have all three of those guys coming back next year, you know, as long as Zach Diasi doesn't decide to retire, I, I see no reason to make any changes there.
0: I agree with you. Aldric Rosas has had an amazing season. You know, this is a guy who I remember some Giant fans wanted to get rid of. And Thomas McGahey, the special teams coordinator during the spring said, look, the guy's got a tremendous leg. He's got talent. You know, you just don't give up on talent. And that's been the the motto of this coaching staff. You don't give up on talent. And Rosas, you know, they made some changes to his kicking motion and he has paid off huge dividends. Riley Dixon, he started off shaky and he's, you know, of late been punting like lights out, been getting great coverage as well. And Zach Diasi, as you said, you know, yes, he's going to be 35. I think he's going to be 35 years old next year. But so long as he's healthy and he wants to continue playing, why make a change there?
1: Exactly, Patty. So, uh, so we agreed there. Let's look at. Uh, we'll go to the safety spot. And obviously, the big question at safety is going to be, you know, what happens with with Landon Collins. I look at the safety spot right now. I have Collins coming back. I have Michael Thomas coming back. I have rookie undrafted free agent Sean Chandler coming back, and, and that's it at that spot. You know, really, the, the big question for me, you know, among those guys, is what kind of contract Landon Collins is going to end up with. I suspect that uh, that Collins winds up playing next season on the franchise tag.
0: I'm not so sure about that, Ed. I have a different approach that nobody's really talking about with Landon Collins. And I haven't had a chance to write it yet. I've been trying to get to it, believe it or not, for a couple weeks now. Just, you know, the the, the weekly coverage has kind of gotten in the way. But I'm hoping to get that put together. I have a, uh, I've actually been playing around with numbers for Landon Collins and also been looking at scenarios. And there's a scenario that I, I don't think very many people have thought about that i'm going to write about um i don't want to give it away yet but i am not so sure that the the franchise tag is going to be in play here and i will explain why that is once i sit down and write this article again hopefully it'll be this week um after i get done recording the show with you i have to finish up my inside football issue and then i'm hoping to get started on that but i did start looking at numbers for him and i see a way to make it work but not without you know putting out humongous dollars that the franchise tag would require.
1: But you do have him staying next season. Oh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. He's a core player. He's a young player. You know, he's 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 a defensive leader, a leader in that locker room. Absolutely I keep him.
1: Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I just I love what Michael Thomas has brought to this team. I think he came to the Giants with the reputation as a a special teams player. I don't think any of us really understood you know, how valuable he actually can be, you know, to a defense and in the locker room as well.
0: Yeah, I love Michael Thomas. I think that was Dave Gettleman's best free agent signing. If if you're, you know, we're being honest here, you know, the guy can still play. He's a, a tremendous special teamer. He's a tremendous leader. Um, he's just a, a good guy to have in a locker room. And, 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 and he still has a lot of good football left in him.
1: All right, Patty, let's uh let's move on to the cornerback spot. And I have four keepers among the current uh the current players on the roster and on injured reserve. Um I have Sam Beal, the, the rookie supplemental pick who's spending the season on IR. I have BW Webb coming back. I have rookie undrafted free agent Grant Haley coming back, and something that, that surprises me at this point. Is I have Janoris Jenkins coming back as well. I just I think of some of the the complimentary things that Pat Shermer has said about Janoris Jenkins. I think about the fact that Jenkins' play has actually improved in recent weeks. I think it may it he may come back on a restructured contract, but I think. Much more so than I thought, you know, four to six weeks ago, I see Jackrabbit as a guy who who could well be back here next year.
0: You know, I go back and forth with him, Ed, because I saw in the game last week, a couple of instances where I wondered if he wasn't making a business decision. There were some some plays that I just thought, you know, what is he doing? Um, with that said, um, that's a tough one for me I, because you've got to kind of you've got to look at the strength of the draft class. You've got to look at the free agent class. And I ran that question by a couple of people, a couple of draft analysts. I said, "What would you do with Jenkins?" And the, the opinion was split. You know, some guys told me, "Oh, I would get rid of him and I would replace him with with a cornerback from the draft." But look, shutdown quarterbacks are very hard to find, and You know, we've seen Jenkins play some really lights out ball. But the question is, have we seen him play it in all circumstances, win or lose. And I don't know if we can say that for certain, because, you know, there, there have just been some plays where you, where you look at him and you say, what are you doing, Jackrabbit? Come on, man, you're better than this. And then there are some plays where you say, oh, thank God they've got him under contract. So I really don't know on that one. I'm going to have to give that one some more thought, to be honest with you.
1: Patty, the conundrum that I find for the Giants, and I think you're absolutely right about Janoris Jenkins when it comes to his effort. There are times when you do wonder, and then there are other times, you know, when he looks like a real quality football player. And I, I, as I go through the Giants' defense and I try to figure out who's going to be back and who the Giants might let go, the conundrum that I find is... You have so many of these players who might be on the bubble for, you know, for financial reasons, and yet the Giants are in a situation where they need to be adding talent to a defense that's just plain not good enough and not deep enough and not talented enough, not you know, going out of their way to subtract talent.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. To an extent, you don't want to create holes that, you know, are unnecessary. If you're going to cut somebody, you better have a solid plan in place to replace that individual. And I do know, based on, you know, the conversations I've had uh, with draft analysts, that this is a strong class for defensive talent. So if there is a cornerback that can be had early in the draft, like a day two pick, Um, And I'm not saying that's how they're going to go. I mean, personally, I wouldn't, you know, unless they pick up a third round draft pick, I would not uh, go cornerback day two. But you have to look at that because, um, you know, this is a team. it's, It's interesting, Ed. It's a balancing act because you look at the free agency class and you say, okay, is someone in that class better than, say, the rookie draft class? And if your answer is yes, then you go and you spend the money. You don't just spend the money because oh my God we have a need, but if there is if the answer is no, then you take your chances with the draft class and you pluck a guy and you and and you put him on your roster. Now Sam Beal, I think we can agree, is going to probably be a starter next year unless he has a setback or something unforeseen happens. But uh, I, I just feel like cornerback in general has to be addressed because they have. You know, BW Webb has played okay. I think he he has earned another contract with this team, uh, but beyond that, I, I'm just not sure that they have the depth that they would like at that spot.
1: Yeah, I hear you, Patty, and that's one of the reasons why it makes uh, it makes the Jenkins decision a difficult one. Let's let's look at the at the linebacker spot, and and what I've done here is I've actually split you know what you would call traditional linebackers. And, and what you would have as edge players. And I'm looking at at linebacker. There's the guys who stand up all of the time. And the only keepers that I have on uh, out of this group are B.J. Goodson and Alec Ogletree. And the thing of it is, I'm not really sold on either one of those players. I just look at it like the Giants have so many needs in so many places I feel like that's a position that needs to be upgraded with guys who are more three-down type all-around players. But I feel like heading into next season, these are guys the Giants have under contract, and and at least for the time being, they're going to end up needing to keep for another year.
0: Um, You know, I did something on the athletic on linebackers, and and I've said this before to you. I know I've written this before. When you look at linebacker production, especially the traditional linebackers, not all tackles are created equal. And a good example is if you look at B.J. Goodson's performance against um, the Titans Sunday, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe he had nine tackles, but of the nine, I want to say five were made outside of the box, You know, outside of that three to five-yard range. So if you're making tackles seven or more yards down the field, Who cares that you led the team in tackles? You know, not all tackles are are created equal. And I look at that when, you know, assessing is is this a position where they can upgrade. And I'm on the fence with Goodson. I like him. I think he's a hard, you know, he he plays hard. I think he's a, you know, a solid player. But I, I just wonder if maybe they can they're going to address one of those inside positions and I don't know if it's going to be him or Ogletree. Ogletree's contract um, is something that I think would give me a little bit of pause but you know the argument there is the guy leads the team in interceptions he's having a fairly decent year after you know struggling earlier in the year Uh, whereas Goodson you know I'm not sure he's made a lot of Game-changing plays, at least not as much as Ogletree. Tree. So, I don't know that they keep both of them next year. I'd I'd be kind of surprised.
1: Yeah, I can I can see that as well, Patty. You know, I just when I look at it, I'm just not sure that you know I'm not sure that it's going to be easy to come up with a better option. Let's move on to to the edge, guys, and this one gets really interesting for me because this one involves Olivier Vernon. And the way I look at this, I have Lorenzo Carter as a keeper. Obviously, he's a guy that the Giants really have high hopes for. I have Kareem Martin as a keeper. He's a guy who, it took him a while to to really get going with the Giants, but he's played much better in recent weeks. He's not a great player, but he's a useful one for this Giants defense, the the question for me revolves around Olivier Vernon and and as I sit here right now, I have him moving on and going elsewhere next year.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a, a pretty safe bet. Um, look, I like Olivier Vernon as well. I think he's a better player than what people give him credit for but the contract, you know you look at the contract and I've said this before, when you sign free agents, you you rarely get the return on your investment that you're looking for. I mean, it, it just doesn't work that way. And Vernon was the result of a mulligan that they had to take after, you know, DeMontre Moore didn't pan out and, and uh, you know, others didn't pan out. So they had to overspend to get him. Now, with that said, um, I just don't think, you know that they, they bring back Vernon, not on his, I think it's like a 17 million cap hit. You know, it's not his fault that he's been injured. You know, that that's something out of his control. But again, you look at the performance and, you know, uh, and look at what he did on Sunday against the Titans. I think he had what, three tackles total two solo. And they were some of the quietest tackles you'll ever see. I think one was made on Derrick Henry's 22 yard run down the field. So, the production is just not there to justify 17 million. Now, if he agrees to take a cap hit, then yes, I would bring him back, but I would be very shocked if they if he agrees to that. Now, here's the other thing, Ed. The draft class is said to be rich with pass rushers and defensive players, you know, outside linebackers, you know, edge guys. So, if you can get a guy you know, a premium pick in the first or second round who can do the job that Olivier Vernon is doing and pay him a fraction of the money, you'd be foolish not to do that from a business perspective.
1: Sure. It's a uh, with with Vernon, if they make him a post June one uh, cut, if they designate him that way, I believe it's a 15 and a half million dollar <laughs> savings on the salary cap. And, and you almost have to take that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you you spend whatever cap space you have, you know, to, to fix the free agency. And then if you designate Vernon as a post June first cap, um, you don't get to use that money until June first. But now, if you get fifteen million, you're pretty much set for you know the for for the rest of the year. You'll you'll have enough money to get your draft click your draft class sign you'll have enough money to add you know some some free agents on the back end and you'll you should have enough money to get you through you know any in-season emergencies that you might have as a result of injuries
1: all right patty let's talk about defensive linemen that um and obviously the giants have a couple of young players here bj hill dalvin tomlinson rj mcintosh all of whom i see as keepers carrie Wynn is a guy who He's a veteran guy, not a great player, but he keeps making himself valuable. I would like to see him come back next year. I actually would also like to see Mario Edwards come back next year, simply because I think he's a guy that's got a little bit of pass rush ability. He's still only 24 years old. He's kind of intriguing to me. I think maybe the Giants haven't played him quite enough, Uh, so I... I would actually like to see all five of those guys back next year.
0: I'm not sure they're going to bring all five back, Ed. I'm 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 on the fence about Kerry Wynn. He he's a, he's a good player, but I I wonder if they don't look to maybe upgrade. But I do know this: they don't have enough depth at that defensive line and and Dave Gettleman has spoken about this he said look you know when he was in Carolina or if you look at Philadelphia last year they had what seven or eight guys that they kept rolling in so this way they kept that line fresh and if you look again back at last week's game the defense was on the field a lot and by the time we got into the third and fourth quarter those guys were tired I mean you you had to be blind not to see that And it just continued to escalate. So they, to me, I think they have to add guys to that position. And and again, defensive interior linemen are set to be very rich in this coming draft class. So I think they will add to that group.
1: Pat Shermer said, you know, recently he said you have to add to both of your lines. You know, every single year. He said you you just have to, otherwise you you fall behind in that area. And you and I have talked about talked about this a number of times I think we both like that comment because I think there have been too many years with the Giants with the previous administration where they kind of put that on the back burner where they kind of ignored that need and and I like that philosophy I think we'll probably see you know some new people on both lines
0: yeah I I think so as well because look Again, I don't want to keep going back to Sunday's game, but the Giants lost that game in the trenches on both sides of the ball and if you don't win in the trenches then you then i don't care who you have as your skill players or your specialists you're not going to win very many games you've got to give those guys a fighting chance you know if the giants had played well in the trenches and eli manning you know put forth the the, the performance that he did or or you know you had the drop passes then you can say oh you know the skill players let the team down but the trenches were the was the biggest problem in my opinion last week
1: I would agree wholeheartedly with that, Patty. And with that in mind, let's turn to the offense. And our next, uh, our next position to look at is the offensive line. And I have, to be honest, there are only two players out of the entire group that I'm absolutely sold on as you know pieces for next season, and that's Nate Solder and Will Hernandez on the left side. I believe, you know, that Jamon Brown is a good but not great player, but that the Giants need to bring him back simply so that they're not in that position where, you know, where they're creating another hole. You know, Jamon Brown is a free agent. I would like to see him come back next year. I also think that on my keepers list, I have Spencer Pulley and John Jalapio, the two centers I'm not 100% sold on either one of those guys as the as the the long-term answer at center, but again I th- I think it's a situation where you know where you just can't create another need that you have to go out and chase. So those are the five guys I have coming back. Uh, you you uh you agree with that or disagree Patty?
0: Um I agree about Solder because of the contract and I definitely agree about Hernandez. I do not think both Pulley and Jalapeno will be back. Um, here's something I'm going to throw out. I mean, I know this is a crazy, crazy thought, but um, if I'm not mistaken, Brett Jones is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Wouldn't it be something if the Giants got him back?
1: That would be very interesting, Patty. You know, the the, the weird part of the whole Brett Jones thing, you and I talked about this going way back into the spring. I never understood... Why the Giants really didn't give Brett Jones a full fledged opportunity to win that job? The the reality of it is, I believe Brett Jones is a better player than either Halapio or Spencer Pulley. So, to be honest, I would like that move a lot.
0: I would too, and and just to to throw out a theory, Ed, I think when that move was made, obviously Shermer. Didn't know how this offense was going to unfold. I don't know that he had as good of a feel for how things were going to, you know, develop. Well, now he does. He 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 has seen Saquon Barkley make make moves um, when there were no moves to be made. Um, he's seen guys do things now, and 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 look. You know, you look at the offensive line play and and, and we've seen instances where there there has been confusion or appears to be confusion with picking up stunts and twists and all that stuff. And I don't know, you know, I'm not blaming one guy in particular, but when Brett Jones ran the show last year, I know that the Giants didn't have very many assignment errors, and and I don't know in terms of you know what does Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman prioritize when it comes for a cent- for, to a center. But I would say that, you know, intelligence and being able to make the right calls would have to be right up there. And that's something Brett Jones did very, very well. So if you're putting him, you know, in combo blocks with, with uh, you know, Jamon Brown at right guard, assuming you bring him back and Will Hernandez, who's going to be better next year, maybe you can live with him if you can bring Brett Jones back.
1: Yeah, you know, I kind of, I kind of like that idea, Patty. I think that a big part of what went into that decision, you know, as you look back on it, was salary cap issues that the Giants had. I think they kind of thought maybe that they could get by with Jalapio because they could save, I think it was two point nine million, you know, off the salary cap by moving on from Brett Jones and they were in a situation where where they were strapped, you know, up against the cap. So maybe that had something to do with it, but but I think they let the best player out of the group go.
0: I agree with you, and I and I think you're to something there, Ed. Because at the time, you know, you looked at the salary cap situation; they were squeezed. They were really squeezed, and and I long suspected that they were going to. Move one of those guys, and I and I, you know, I I don't remember if I wrote it. I think I did, but I think I mentioned that Brett Jones. I couldn't see how they would justify keeping a guy who was making nearly three million dollars as a backup. It just made no sense. Whereas Jalapeno, they got, you know, I. I I forget what his total was, but I think it was under a million dollars. I think Spencer Pulley was, was, uh, you know, not much of of a million. So it just made sense from a financial aspect. And again, you wonder if it was okay. You know, we're going to have our center execute more combo blocks than, than doing one-on-one blocks. And, I just think that if they have a chance of getting Brett Jones back, because like I said, he made some really good line calls. I don't think the offensive line suffered when he was running things. So I would definitely see if I can get him back and get him back on a cheaper contract.
1: All right, Patty, let's move on to wide receiver. And, you know, this is kind of an interesting position for the Giants. You know, they've they've run a lot of guys in and out this year. They've gotten... You know bits of production from a lot of different players, some young guys, some veterans. I look at keepers at wide receiver, obviously as Odell Beckham for 2019, Sterling Shepard, and, and then you come to the to the the bunch of reserve guys that they've had. I would be really shocked if Corey Coleman's not part of this roster. I think the Giants are just really intrigued by his talent and really want to see what he can do. You know, with a full off season to learn the playbook. And I think Russell Shepard will be back next year. I just think he's a really valuable player in a in a lot of ways. Um, just a guy that uh, that that this organization really likes. You know, then but then you come to the rest of these guys, the young guys, Jawil Davis, Quadri Henderson, then you know, you look at Cody Latimer who spent the last few weeks on IR, and I'm not sure about those guys. But in my mind, the only four that I think are definitely back are Beckham, Shepard, Coleman, and Russell Shepard.
0: I I would say yes on Beckham. I would say yes on Sterling Shepard. I would say yes on Quadri Henderson. I think he was their best return option. So I would put him in the keeper group. Coleman, I would say yes Russell Shepard, I'm not so sure of, Ed. See, here's the problem, and we saw this, you know, with Odell not in the lineup. The Giants really don't have a receiver who can separate from defenders on a consistent basis outside of Odell. I think they have to get somebody who can do that, especially if, you know, Odell is is not in that lineup. Now, obviously, you want to have Odell in for all 16 games, but you can't plan for that. So when you take a guy like Odell out of the lineup and then you have receivers who cannot get open on a consistent basis, that to me is a problem and that to me is a need that has to be addressed.
1: It is, a you know, surprisingly a bigger need than you would think maybe to go out and get one more you know top flight guy on the outside I'm thinking of a you know a bigger target you know a guy that uh, a guy that can really make some plays on, on the outside but uh, yeah but I you know it, it it's again it's tough because they have so many needs in other places you know on the offensive line across the defense the way that they do so we'll see how that goes but you know th- like I said those are the guys that that that's where I would start anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a good starting list. But, but you know, and, and we talk about this every year. We, we say that you can't fill all the needs. Now, could they live with Russell Shepard again? I, I think they can. But, again, you look at the receivers. When Odell is not in that lineup... You notice it, <laughs> and uh, you've got to have guys who can separate, and that's been a problem for the rest of this group of late. And and I think if if I'm the Giants, if I'm Gettleman, I say, look, I got to have another guy in there who shows he can separate, so that you know, if God forbid, I don't have Odell in the lineup, I I know I've got another target that defenses have to worry about.
1: Agreed. So Patty, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the tight end spot, and one of those guys who as a tight end, who can separate, who can be an impact player in the passing game is Evan Ingram. I see him, despite his issues with drops, heading into 2019. I mean, there's there's a little chatter about moving on from Evan Ingram. But if there's an obvious keeper in this group, for me, it would be Evan Ingram. I see Red Ellison as a guy who I, I think Pat Shermer has respect for he's a useful player but he's also one who's vastly overpaid heading into next season so I would say Ingram is a keeper I would say Ellison would be a keeper if they can restructure his contract
0: I agree with you on Ellison he's a useful player but this year, his blocking has not been as good as it has been in the past. Now, I don't know if it's because of the foot injury he's been dealing with that you know landed him on the, inj- uh, the injury list uh, early in the season. And I think most recently, he was on the injury list. But his blocking has fallen off a little bit. I think I would add Scott Simonson to the list, Ed, because Simonson has really come on as a blocker. And I'm just wondering if perhaps the Giants might swap out Ellison for Simonson. Now, what Ellison brings to the game that I like is that he's, he's a pretty reliable receiver. You know, he's not going to get you, you know, 50, 60-yard touchdowns, but he's going to get you, you know, smaller chunks to help you move the chains. But I think in terms of tight end, if I'm listing the three that I keep, I think it would be Ingram, Simonson, and then I would do Ellison if I can get his number down.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think we could see that, Patty. You might be you might be you might be right there. I kind of looked at Simonson as a as a replaceable part, but he is a guy who has done a nice job, you know, in the blocking role. So so yeah, I can I can see that. Let's talk about running back a little bit, and obviously obviously you have that Barkley guy, and and then when I look at it. You have, you know, at, at the at the running back spots, you have Wayne Gallman. You have Jonathan Stewart. Uh, you know, Paul Perkins has been on IR all year. Uh, and to be honest, I'm not sure any of those guys is going to be back. I think Eli Penny has done a pretty decent job at fullback. His blocking is... is is sometimes good. I think he missed a few blocks, you know, over the weekend against the Titans. I think he, you know, there were a couple plays that that I think he'd like to have back. But if beyond Barkley, I think Eli Penny has a better chance to be back than than just about any any of the rest of these guys. And to be honest, the one that mystifies me is Wayne Gallman for the simple reason that I think Gallman, while he's not a breakaway back. I think he has a lot of the skills in terms of versatility and being able to catch the ball that Pat Shermer would seem to like. He just hasn't seemed to really ingratiate himself into this coaching staff. You know, it, he's been given very few opportunities, and it makes me think that, that perhaps they'll move on from Goleman and look for a different, uh, a different backup for Barkley next season.
0: I don't know about that, Ed. I mean, look, when you have Saquon Barkley on your team, I don't think it really matters who the backup is. You're going to give Barkley the ball – know every opportunity you can so that means whoever's backing him up is barely going to see the ball so i don't know necessarily that wayne gallman's drop off and snaps is a result of anything he did or didn't do it's more of a result of saquon barkley being on that roster and being the guy you got to remember the giants have run a lot more 12 personnel this year so they're putting one back two tight ends on the field um so you know how often are they going to are they going to move a second running back onto that field and when it is it's usually the fullback now you have you know Eli Penny listed to me Eli Penny has been inconsistent um i think when he's on he's very very good and i could live with him as fullback but i'd like to see the consistency and i would not be surprised if he has some competition moving forward
1: no, you know, I'm not I'm not 100% sold on Penny. I just don't know how much you would how much you invest and, in, you know, how much time you spend worrying about the fullback position. I guess I guess I I kept him on the roster because he's the only one that the Giants have currently and and I can live with him being there.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I could live with him being there, too. But I'm just saying that, you know, I would not be surprised if he has some competition. And I I wouldn't necessarily say he's a definite keeper. I I would say that, yes, you bring him back. But, you know, in terms of next year's 53-man roster, I don't know that I would say that he's a lock.
1: All right, Patty. And, And last, but definitely not least, we have to talk about the quarterback situation. Do we have to? Well, I'm going to try to do this quickly. You know, we we debate forever and ever. We debate Eli Manning into 2019 and, you know, the future. Who's who's going to be the, the franchise quarterback of the future? And look, I think we all understand that Eli Manning is 37, that he's probably not the same quarterback that he was six or seven years ago we all understand he'll be 38 next year that the giants have got to put a plan in place for the future and maybe go out and get the guy that they would like to be the future you know whether they do that this off season or whether they do that next off season finding that guy you know is basically you know priority 1 for the giants whether it's uh, whether that means they draft him this year or not uh, we'll have to see, but when I look at this quarterback situation, I am firmly convinced that the Giants will not open Week One of next season with a first-round pick with a with a rookie, untested player, you know, under center. And when I look at that, that makes me think the Giants have had some success in recent weeks on offense. When things function well, you know, Eli Manning has played well. When when things around him go well, you know, he can get the job done. He's not going to lift the Giants in situations like last Sunday. In all honesty, he hasn't done that in a number of years. But when I look at this situation, I think Eli Manning is back. I think Kyle Loletta is back. I think there is a third quarterback on this roster who's either a young veteran, a guy who is maybe blocked, you know, from having an opportunity to play, you know, it wherever he may be, you know, right now, or perhaps a guy that they're able to pick up, you know, maybe by trading back up into the fir- into the latter part of the first round or picking someone up in the second or third round of the draft. You know, someone that they can they can add to the mix with Kyle Loletta to develop, and, and for me, that's how I see the quarterback situation playing out next year.
0: The only thing I I will say about your keepers Ed is Pat Shermer has said numerous times that he values experience. So you have Eli Manning, who obviously has experience, and Kyle Loletta, who has thrown all of five passes, forgettable passes in the NFL. There is no way they just go into next season with just Manning and Loletta, as you said. Now, do I think they will add a young veteran? Absolutely. Do I think they will add another developmental project? Absolutely. Shermer has said that he used to do that, I think, every year, wherever he's been, that he likes doing that, that it's a good exercise to go through. As far as the starting quarterback goes, I see the Giants' transition plan Almost mirroring what happened in Kansas City, all right? Now, for those of you, and I know a lot of people accuse me of being an Eli Homer, I'm trying to be realistic. I know you guys don't all see that, but I am trying to be realistic here, all right? There is no consensus amongst draft analysts as to who the number one draft pick is going to be amongst the quarterbacks that have declared versus those who have not declared. You know, some people think it's going to be Herbert. Some say it's going to be Haskins. Some say it's going to be Greer. There's no consensus. What there is a consensus on, and I know this because I've had numerous draft analysts come on, locked on giants with me to talk about this, is that the quarterback class this year coming up, 2019, is not as good as how 2020 looks. And, and you know, the feeling is that if you've got a guy who is functional, that if you build around and you, you give him a good setup, and, and let's face it, you would do this anyway, even if you were bringing in a quarterback, uh, a rookie quarterback, you would want your offensive line to be solid. You would want your skill positions to be solid. All right. It doesn't matter if he's, he's a rookie or Eli Manning. You, you need that. No quarterback can function without it. But the feeling is, is that you you stick with Eli because there are no true better options out there, that you can get by with him another year if you have to. Now, I know people look at the money and they say, well, he's $23.2 million. That's too much. If you read the article I posted in Forbes yesterday, you'll see that there's a way to lower it while also protecting yourself for 2020. So, Let's say the Giants don't get a quarterback, a rookie quarterback in 2019, and they say, "Okay, you know what? We're going to aim for 2020 and get our guy." Now you have Eli there as a, as a fallback plan, and it won't cost you a lot in 2020 if you do it. You know, if you set up the numbers the right way.
1: You know, Patty, I think the interesting point to make here, you know, you have. You have said, you've talked about bringing Eli back next year. I have also talked about bringing Eli back next year. And, you know, both of us, you know, get people, you know, jumping down our throats and calling us Eli Homers and and all of that. And I think the thing to recognize here is that we all see that Eli Manning is not a perfect solution. He's not a perfect solution right now. He won't be a perfect solution next year. We all see his age. We all see the limitations that he has. But the idea partially is, you know, entering the season, is there a better player that you're going to be able to get to put under center? And I firmly believe, as I've said, that that even if they drafted a guy that's not what Pat Shermer wants to do to open next season. He continually, as you said, talks about the value of experience. He doesn't want to open 2019 you know, with, with a rookie quarterback. And I'm sorry you look at the veteran options that might be available, and there just aren't a lot of them out there. So you have a situation with Eli where when the giants offense has functioned well when they've had a running game when the offensive line has played well we've seen that they can make progress they've scored more than 30 points i think four times this year they've had some you know they've they've had some success when they've had all of their weapons in place so i think that in the interim you know you have to go out and identify that guy who's going to be your future that doesn't mean you absolutely have to have him in place you know at the beginning of the 2019 season.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you and and to your point Ed, yes, I see the limitations of Eli. I pointed out one such limitation in my film review for the Athletic. right. I'm aware of the age. I'm aware of the money. I'm aware of a lot of things. I acknowledge them. I have also said time and time again, Eli has not played as well as he could have. He is not the same quarterback he was in 2011. I acknowledge all that. But at the same time, he's probably the best option amongst uh, what's now considered slim pickings. I mean, you're going to tell me that Tyrod Taylor is a better option than Eli Manning? I'm not so sure I agree with that. You're going to tell me that, you know, oh, what about Teddy Bridgewater? Well, the Saints traded a third-round pick to get Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not so sure they're going to let him get away that easily. Otherwise, they basically threw a third-round pick away, all right? I, I have people asking me on Twitter about Nick Foles. Carson Wentz has a, has a fracture in his back. Right. I don't know how long that injury is going to lay him up or, or what his status is going to be. So if I'm the Eagles, I'm not so sure I let Nick Foles get away. There just aren't a whole lot of veteran options when I look at the list that, that make me say, yeah, this is a better option than Eli Manning. And then the other thing people aren't taking into consideration is the cap ramification. If you cut Eli, you're going to, yeah, you'll save, you know, a certain amount of money. I've got to look up the exact numbers because I don't remember. But you're also going to have a big dead money hit. Now, if you co- compound that with, you know, potentially cutting Olivier Vernon like we talked about as, as a possibility earlier in the show – You're going to have a a, a humongous dead money hit before you even get started. So you kind of have to be smart about it. And I think that the thing that makes the most sense is you try and lower Eli's number this year. You stick with him and then you continue to look for your backup quarterback, whether or or your I'm sorry, your quarterback of the future, whether that's Lalletta, whether that's his to be named player, uh, you know, to be named later player, whoever. But right now you need a transition plan, plan and to just cut Eli out and not have that plan in place or not have a, a solid, you know, a smooth transition plan in place, that, that could do you more harm than good, I think.
1: Oh, I agree, Patty. And and when we talk about the cap savings, I think if the Giants were to cut Eli, I think it's a $17 million cap savings. But the reality of it is, okay, you you cut Eli Manning, and then you go out and you sign a veteran placeholder. You sign Tyrod Taylor, or you sign, you know, whoever. Well, if you remember, the Arizona Cardinals went out and signed themselves a placeholder last offseason. And that placeholder's name was Sam Bradford, and they gave him a one-year contract for $20 million and he wound up getting 15 million dollars of that contract for playing 3 games. So are you actually saving any money? You probably not. If you're no. if your plan is to go out and sign another placeholder quarterback, you're basically just, you know, just cutting Eli Manning and giving that money to somebody else. So it's really not about the money. It's about who is the best option to give you the best play, you know, in the transitional phase, while you look for, you know, that guy that's going to carry you into the future,
0: that's a great point, Ed. You're not really saving. And I just pulled up Eli's contract while we while you were talking there. If you cut him, let me see. He would have uh, you would have a, a six point two million dead hit. And you would save 17 million. But like you said, you would probably have to spend that savings on a placeholder. But meanwhile, you've taken a a six million dead money hit for a guy who's not on your roster. It doesn't make sense from a financial perspective. What you do is you look to lower that number you sign him to another year to 2020 that does not mean that he sees that year if you draft a quarterback in 2019 that and you're convinced that he's your guy now you you keep you keep uh Eli through 2019 and then you get rid of him in 2020 and your cap hit is a lot lower than what it would be than if you were to you know cut him now
1: Patty this has this has certainly been an, an interesting discussion obviously the Giants at at 5 and 9 at this point um you know out of the playoffs we've obviously spun you know toward you know thinking pretty much uh, solely about what the Giants will look like in 2019 before I call it a show Patty why don't you uh why don't you take a minute to, to uh, remind people where they can find uh, where they can find uh, all of your terrific work?
0: Best thing to do is to follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore trainer. That's where I'm posting all the links to my work. But some of the places I write for on a regular basis, The Athletic, New York, have a film study that should be out today on Tuesday Uh, on what happened on Sunday's game I do that every week Uh, Forbes I contribute to Forbes and I have an article explaining how the Giants can lower Eli's cap hit and also looking at the options they have there I'm also doing work for the Maven New York Giants uh, inside football and and some site called Big Blue View Ed, I don't know if you've ever heard of it
1: yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I spend a little bit of time there myself. Patty, thank you very, very much for coming on. And, and Giants fans, please remember uh, to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Follow Big Blue View on Twitter, at Big Blue View. We thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation.